Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. My name is Eric Skwarzynski. I am Travis Chappell's producer, and I'm so excited for today's midweek mashup episode. We're going to be talking about how you can crush it with your ads, and we have three incredible guests to walk us all through it. First up is Deepesh Mandalia. He is a guru when it comes to Facebook ads. He's the Facebook ads master, the guru. He is the CEO of SM Commerce and ZASR Digital. He brings a lot of incredible value onto this episode. And next up is Kira Hug. She is a copywriter. She's worked with people like uh, Jasmine Starr, James Wedmore, and more. And uh, she helps small business owners and SaaS companies sell their ideas, products, services, and programs through copy that creates meaningful conversations. She's unique in her approach because she allows business owners to own their weird and be fully true to themselves. She's also the co-host of the Copywriter Club podcast. And last but not least is an absolute legend. He has made over $600 million in revenue with Facebook ads. His name is, of course, Travis Chambers. 
and he's an elite ad buyer and elite content creator, the founder of Chamber Media, the industry leader in data-crafted video ads with over 4,000 productions a month, $80 million in managed spend, and $600 million in tracked revenue. Today's episode is a huge value bomb. I know we do this on every single Wednesday. We bring a ton of value through these mashup episodes, but this one probably takes the cake this year. It is so much practical knowledge. If you do any kind of advertising, if you're trying to improve your content, you need to listen to this entire episode. And if there's anything that resonates with you, anything at all that brings you value, be sure to take a screenshot and tag Travis with the handle at Travis Chapel. All right, guys, let's get into the show. So I think when a lot of people talk about this channel versus that channel, Ultimately, for any business, you have to have a good blend of channels. You can't leave your eggs in one basket. Now, the majority of revenue from Facebook is coming in for a whole range of sectors from e-commerce and coaching and digital. And even selling cars through Facebook is working where they're generating leads and selling offline. And you compare YouTube and the kind of user base and who's on there. There's still success to be had on YouTube. There's a lot of success, especially for retargeting, remarketing on YouTube, where you're able to target people that have either visited your site or interacted with you in another way. So they already know about you. And you can serve the ad before the video, halfway through the video. And and so that still works. However, for example, you know, I've tried this myself. Within e-commerce, it's harder to sell through YouTube as straight up videos. You have to think quite differently. And I think actually where a lot of people have failed on YouTube, it comes back to those marketing principles. Can you create a great video that hooks them within the first few seconds, that talks to them about a problem, introduces your solution, and gets them interested enough to take a click? But still, for me, the volume is far better on Facebook at generating leads, revenue, and kind of pushing your business metrics. YouTube is absolutely part of the marketing mix, but you know, if I was as my own business, I wouldn't shift money from Facebook to YouTube because you know I've worried about Facebook or I felt that YouTube had more potential. But I would absolutely use YouTube to back up my Facebook campaigns. Hmm, interesting. I'll just give you an example here, and I'm curious to hear what you think would be the best way to go about doing this. So I have a water business. I own a, a water company. We do a whole home water filtration systems and reverse osmosis, alkaline units, all that kind of stuff. If I came to you and I was like, hey, what platform should I be advertising the most on for this physical product in a location, a specific type of an ad? What platform would you recommend someone with that kind of business would spend more time on? Sure. What's the rough price point? What kind of price point are you looking at for? For the customer, average is going to be about $7,500. Okay. So because of the price point, I would be looking to generate leads. I would be looking to bring them through a funnel based on value. For me, the best way to do that is through Facebook. And especially with local marketing, Facebook has an insane ability to not just localize your marketing, but to be able to sift out the right people. So to, you know, I don't want to go too technical, but for example, what we've done in the past is you select your local market, you run a video campaign that isn't necessarily targeting you know, people interested in water infiltration systems or anything like that. It's just a general video on water cleanliness or water health and things like that. And what you do is you funnel them through a journey. So we would start with the first video, which is talking about maybe the benefits or something related to water, and then actually you can find people that who, who engage with your video and retarget them specifically with another ad. 
you could then hit them up with a direct response ad, we then collect the email, or you could serve another video, which actually funnels them down to another level, which now talks about why water systems are a good idea and why others in your area are already using this. So it allows you to create a bit of a kind of conversation and engagement piece with a customer. Mm. That kind of stuff is not something that YouTube is really kind of set up for. Gotcha. Where I would use YouTube in that is to then retarget people who have visited the website, maybe try and bring them back. But certainly for a business like this, especially because it's local and because of the price point, for me, Facebook is the first port call. You bring them through the funnel journey and then find the right point to convert them and grab their email address and then take that through an email campaign and then convert them that way. So copywriting then, let's let's talk a little bit more about copywriting specifically. You've worked with some of the biggest names out there with some incredible launches, James, James Wedmore, Jasmine Starr, Rick Mulready, all these people that you've worked with and, and writing copy for them. You're obviously good at what you do. And I'm curious to find out how you got to that point. So talk to me now, transitioning over into copywriting and how you started getting in that world. Yeah. So as I was working at these different marketing gigs and nonprofits, I ended up at a startup as a director of marketing. And so at that point, I was writing copy and doing many other things. And I had known other copywriters. Actually, I had even hired other copywriters for like my you know side business gigs. But I never thought that I was a copywriter until my friend, who was a colleague at the time, hired me to write her website copy. And then other colleagues hired me to write their website copy. And finally, like my friend had to tell me, Kira, why are you pursuing all these other side business ideas. And I was like pursuing wedding business ideas and all these other concepts that weren't really taking off. And she's like, why don't you just do what people are paying you to do? I'm paying you to write copy. You have a business here. And so Mm. it was the wake up call from my friend to just say, Hey, you're a copywriter. Do this. Like this is working. Don't, don't overthink it. And once that message finally hit, I was I was set. I was committed. And I was like, this is the path. I'm going to go all in and build my copywriting business. Yeah. And it's not like that's a a bad business to get into. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's a historically difficult business to make money with. Like, if if you're good at it, then just by nature of being good at it, you're going to make money from the business because you're good at the task of writing copy to sell people anyway. Right? Like, I mean... Yeah, definitely. Definitely tracks and props to your friend for uh, being the person to step in and say, "Hey, why don't you just do that?" It's isn't it funny sometimes, Kara? How like we as as business owners and uh, and as you know, coaching consultants, course creators, we have the ability a lot of times to look at what other people are doing and help them out, and just can't do the same thing for ourselves sometimes. And it's so useful, so helpful to have other people in our lives who can look at what we're doing and be like, Hey, why don't you just do this? And then you're just like, Oh, duh. Why didn't I just, why didn't I think about that already? Right. So, yeah. um, so talk to me about your, your ascension, so to speak in this world. So from the time that you started writing copy until the time where you started landing big contracts with large name people, how much time do you think you spent writing copy or studying, you know, how to write persuasive copy or any of those types of things? How, how much time realistically do you think you put into the craft? Well, I mean, I, I fully jumped in, I'd say, and called myself a copywriter in 2015. And again, it's interesting because I was already doing it before then with side gigs, but it just didn't hit. So 
once I jumped in fully and got it, I invested in, in my business and my copywriting business at that point. And so I took off pretty fast at that point and then booked someone like James Wedmore. I worked with him in 2016, I believe. So I found some amazing clients pretty fast in my copywriting journey. And I do think it's because I invested in my brand early on. I worked with Sarah Ashman, who's an incredible creative director, and um, just created this brand that really stood out in this space. And that was really important to me at an early stage because I get the power of branding. And I know that's how James ended up working with me because he found my website and like resonated with the brand and reached out. And once I worked with um, him, he was generous enough to invite me into his mastermind group. I think it was the first time he was running his inner circle mastermind and invited me to teach at his retreat. And so I, it was like my first time, I think, teaching and speaking. I was so nervous and dyed my hair blonde and like just was really excited to be there. And so entered into his world. And then from there, took off pretty fast because I started working with a lot of his mastermind members. And so we got very busy at that point and didn't really slow down. So I think the power of you know networking and being in the right room, if you can get in that right room with the right clients, I mean, it can just be such a true game changer. And I experienced that firsthand. So you know, part of it was branding, getting the right brand to connect with the right people. Part of it was saying yes to opportunities where you can teach before you feel ready. Mm, and then yeah. part of it was being, being in the right room. All of that in combination really helped me take off. In addition to that, I was in a copywriter mastermind during those early stages at this, around the same time. And so my confidence, I was building my confidence by being surrounded by other copywriters, getting critiqued yeah. by other copywriters. And so confidence combined with the other factors really, again, helped me move pretty fast early on. And so, so how, when, what year did you like write your first piece of copy? Would you say? I was writing copy in 2011, 2012. But again, I still didn't see myself as a copywriter. When I finally sure. saw myself as a copywriter and took copy jobs as a freelancer, it was 2015 where I took my first website copy project and then sales page project, project and then kind of moved into the launch world. Got it. So, so writing copy on and off for three, four years, and then started writing copy full time, and then got a really good client, and then business took off. So, just to give like a proper timeline expectation here, I mean, four or five years of of uh, working on a craft, and then that combination of getting in the right room, having worked on your craft, being able to deliver results for for people. Um, like get all of that kind of combining into uh, into you know one moment in time or one you know period of time in your life um, really allowed you to take off. So, 2016 to 2020, how's business been going? So, as my copywriting business is growing, I met through that same mastermind my now business partner Rob Marsh, and he came up with this idea to create the Copywriter Club, and he wanted to partner with me. I think I was his second choice. But I said, I said yes. And so again, like my copywriting business was taking off and pretty busy, but there was this opportunity. I had already hosted a podcast and I was really eager to host another podcast. And so partnering with him, we were like, let's create this podcast. Let's create this community, see where it goes. And so we partnered in 2016 and um, really officially started the business, I think January of 2017. 
and started this community for copywriters that took also took off fast with started with the podcast, then started with the Facebook community. The Facebook community grew. It's now 12,000 copywriters and this free community. And so that business also had momentum. And so like both businesses had momentum at the same time and were growing at the same time. So I was juggling both for, well, I'm still am juggling both, but it made 2018 a very difficult year. Like that's the year that stands out to me as a very painful year because both businesses were just moving forward fast and I didn't let go of either one or slow down in either one. And so it was just a painful year that where I was like, okay, something has to change. I can't keep moving forward in both of these business at this, at this type of pace. Yeah. So that's, that was the year I kind of burned out. And then ever since then, I've built my copywriting agency as more of a flexible agency so that I can expand and contract as needed based on my load and how many clients I want to work with. And then we've built the copywriter club to, you know, to having mastermind groups, um, membership, to having business accelerator programs, to having live events. Um, and so that's been a huge part of the business growth has been the Copywriter Club. Mm, yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. That's so awesome. So let's talk a little bit networking relationships here, Kira. And it's been sprinkled throughout your entire story. Um, it's been pretty evident that relationships have, have come into play, even from the, the friend telling you to go into copywriting you know, and then through to uh, getting connected with people like James Wedmore and then him connecting you with his mastermind. And then the fact that you were in a different mastermind. And then one of those people in the mastermind asked you to partner on this other business that's been really profitable for you. So there's been relationships all throughout your career, but you're also somebody that has has really perfected her craft. And so um, I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. Who you know, 
or what you know, Kira, which of those two do you view <laughs> as being more important and why? Is this a trick question? Um, <laughs> this, this is the question I've asked every guest that's ever come on the show. So I, I know. Gotta, it's I such a good question. I mean, I would say the people. People are first. People are always first. Hmm. But it's it's tricky, right? Because it's it's you got you have to bring something to the table. But I still think, I mean, any success I've had is because of the connections, the community, the people, um, the networks I've built. And mm. it starts, it always starts there for me, but I definitely know successful people who uh, maybe aren't as people friendly and maybe have not mastered networking, um, but are really great at what they do. And they've also had success in their own way. It's just not the type of success I would want. Okay. So we've got a formula. We call it the seven foundational ads. And two years ago, we started noticing patterns with ads. Obviously, the spokesperson Dollar Shave Club anchor videos we had been doing for a long time. We had those dialed, but you know that's those can only really be one fifth or one tenth of your content. You've got to have all the retargeting videos, all the like lower cost, shorter retargeting videos that you're refreshing all the time. And so we went and we analyzed the eighty million dollars that we had spent over the last six years. And over 30,000 different creative assets. And we hired some machine learning engineers who went and codified everything. And what we found is that there were 100 ad types that were most likely to get performance. And so we went through one by one and we named all of those ads. And we started thinking about in biology, you have genus, species, you know what I mean? You have the Latin name for the family of dogs. Then you have different types of canines under that. And then it goes one further. And we're like, well, and it's called a taxonomy. We're like, well, maybe there's an ad taxonomy for which ads work. And sure enough, we found seven categories of ads that generally get the most performance. And this is the checklist that I recommend everyone go through and look. Go through, look, look through your ad account and see if you have all of these categories covered. So one is spokesperson video. Obviously, that's a you know, minute plus long, has some production value, very fast paced. It's just a salesperson doing their pitch. Two is a product demo, which is obvious. I think everyone has a product demo, but there's dozens of different ways to, to do product demos. Three is social proof or evidence ads. That's um, press features, you know, influencer content, UGC, anything like that. Four is closer ads. So closer ads are add to cart reminders, a post-purchase ad from the founder saying, thank you for joining the family. Thank you for purchasing discount codes, urgency plays. You'll, we'll have a spokesperson. We'll write down the five most common objections and have overcoming objection ads in retargeting. These are like your low, low funnel stuff. Five is case study. Case study is just really any empirical evidence. Whether you have clinical trials, whether you have um, a before and after video, a side-by-side -side comparison, anything you can do to empirically support what your claims are in a way that feels kind of scientific, feels kind of quantifiable, that's a case study ad. Six is lifestyle ads. Lifestyle ads are just the aspirational Nike, showing people walking around, using it, you know, your hype reel, whatever, just setting the mood and the emotion around what your product is. And then seven is unboxing. 
and unboxing is just showing it showing up at the door on the on the table doing a stop motion animation of what it's like when the product comes out of the box using the product so these seven ads we call the seven foundational ads these are and i'll just review them again it's spokesperson ad product demo social proof or evidence ad closer ads case study lifestyle and unboxing we've pretty much found that if an ad account makes all of those types of creative and tests those, you'll find out that some of it works and some of it doesn't. For the stuff that doesn't work, you basically go and you make variations of different types. Okay, we showed an unboxing on the doorstep and it's showing up and someone picking up the door and opening it didn't really convert. Why? Well, we don't know. Let's try a stop motion animation on a tabletop with just somebody's hands. And testimonials too. You know, we've ran seven or eight testimonials, even top of funnel, and six of them won't work and one will. Mm. And it's just because of, you know, for a beauty product, it's just because the skin tone of the person using the product and it's their facial expression. And so you just start kind of going down the line in this process. And we've developed this process where we can look at an account now and we can perform a gap analysis where we actually run all of their creative in, in this program against our database to see where the holes are. Yeah. And we took it a step further and we actually pulled the top 2,000 Shopify stores, top 1% of ad creatives. So, you know, Facebook's got that publicly available mm-hmm. on the ads library. And we correlated views, engagement, and how long the ad has ran to our own ads and correlated those numbers. And what we found is our ads on average outperform the top 1% of the top 2,000 Shopify e-commerce stores by 37%. Wow. But, what it, but what we did is then we went, took a step further. We created a Facebook group. It's called Unicorn Ad Creative. And we post three times a day, we post top performing ads of these Shopify stores with these metrics, with estimated revenues driven. And then we kind of, you know, just discuss why that, that ad creative may have worked or maybe why it didn't. So anyways, that's the formula. That's the approach that we've taken that is really working well. Do you find that this is something that can work across multiple product types or is this mainly e-commerce products specifically? We've seen it work across all types. The only two types that we have traditionally struggled in is food and beverage. I wouldn't say real estate. Real, we just haven't done a lot of real estate stuff. We get tons of real estate leads and they usually just don't, you know, I don't know. I I don't know about the real estate side of things. I haven't really tested it much, but yeah, food and beverage can be tough. That being said though, like one of our greatest case studies is Potbelly Sandwiches. They Mm -hmm. hired us before COVID and we were their Hail Mary. You know, we were their like dirty little secret. Let's Mm -hmm. throw this little agency out in Utah and see what they do. And we increased nationwide sales by 7% that like a five to one row as selling sandwiches wow. during wow. COVID. And, you know, that just shows the power of, of creative. For sure. For sure. But uh, yeah, man, that's it. I've seen it work um, for SaaS. We've seen it work for service companies. We've seen it work for apps, trades. About like info products and stuff like that. We've seen it work for info products. We're right now we're running all of ClickFunnels ad spend oh, really? right now. And we're shooting mini anchor videos with Russell every single month. So we've shot two of those now and it's, it's working really well. We're already seeing big improvements with our creative there. We just started working with Dean Graziosi, Krista Mashore, 
all big, big in, into the info product game. But you look at us too. The highest return on ad spend client we have ever had is Chamber Media. So up until a year ago, we never ran ads for ourselves. We were just too busy. We were too small to like pull away. And we were the doctor who smoked. We were the 300 pound doctor. That's <laughs> what we were. So we started making our own ads and go figure 32 to one ROAS on a $35,000 a month spend. Highest return. And you do the math on that, Good. you know, we're closing 600 grand to 1.2 million a month in new business right now. In new business. In new business. Wow. New business. And would this be know. for like those lower tier products that you started to create? It's all over the board. You know, it's a half dozen six figure deals. And then it's like a couple dozen smaller deals. You know, the bigger we get, the more, the more value ladder we can just add, add, add. Sure. And, you know, getting to know Russell has helped a lot. Reading his books has helped us a lot to figure out, oh man, we have all these different things we could sell yeah. that we haven't been taking advantage of. And um, we just opened up this self-checkout thing called One in the Chamber where you can, you can just buy an ad. You pick your colors, you pick the ad type, you, you write your own script, and then we go shoot it for you. And, and we never even talk to you. It's just like, boom, delivered in a week. Nice. Um, and that's popping off, you know, and then we launched a course and we got this group that's now 1600 members in two weeks and we're going to have a paid group with that. So it's, um, building that premium brand, you know, and having the, the case studies and then it's crushing it at the ad spend in our own creative. We went and made our own anchor videos and retargeting videos and we're shooting new stuff every month, you know, to refresh our own chamber. So it's like, it's just cool because like you practice, you have failures. You know, we've had a lot of clients that fail sure. or that, that it's going well, but for some reason they don't see it and they hate us. You know, it happens. It sucks. And, you know, lawyers don't win every lawsuit and um, <laughs> not every doctor can cure your cancer. You may die anyways and spend a hundred grand with this doctor. And, but um, we've just seen that it's really rewarding to do it for ourselves and see it work better for ourselves than, than literally anybody else. That's like very, been very validating for us. Oh, I'm sure, man. I'm sure. Well, I, I got to ask you, I got to ask you a little bit about some of the key relationships that you've helped you along the way. You mentioned Russell just now, and I'm sure that there's a bunch of other people. You've mentioned a couple of people at the beginning that kind of helped transition from job to job and then um, helped with the severance here and there. And like, you've had some people that have kind of stepped up um, is there anybody that, that you haven't mentioned that you would, that you would like to maybe, you know, throw a little bit of kudos to, or anybody that's kind of helped you along the way or been a big mentor or just like, you know, shoulder the cry on, so to speak during some of the bad times, like anything like that come to mind? Yeah, there've been some guys along the way that really helped me out. Cameron Manwaring, he was at a company called Shareability. They were the vendor we used for Kobe versus Messi. And they had 20 people messaging editors around the world, all in different languages. And we were, I think we reached out to 8,000 editors. We got 2,000 press features. Cameron was a huge inspiration. Devin Supertramp, Devin Graham, the YouTuber, mm -hmm. uh, he held a meetup back in like 2012, 2011. There were 300 of us in that room and a good two or three dozen of the people in that room have gone on to do seven figures with YouTube or new wow. media related ventures. And I, it all is connected to Devin. Wow. Inspiring people. The, there was this Utah YouTubers community, Facebook group. That was really huge. But yeah, it's been Trevor Hiltbrand at, at Transparent Labs and Jason Ingram over at um, Mr. Cool. 
those two case studies have taken us far, far beyond where we ever could have without them trusting in us and staying with us for, you know, over two and a half years. You know, those long-term relationships, those investments have been really huge for us. Yeah. So the answer is yes. <laughs> Absol- yeah, absolutely. Along the way. So, so absolutely. I got so to ask you this then, man, because you're obviously somebody who is constantly trying to perfect your craft and it's something that you have a lot of skill in and now at this point and probably a little bit of natural talent that you cultivated over a long period of time of developing this skill set even further. Um, so I'm curious to hear what your answer would be for this question. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important? Which of those two do you view as being more important and why? I think who you know. Absolutely. Because there's just very little original thought. You just can't really invent ideas or ways of doing things on your own. There are processes, there are building blocks, there are foundational things that, that require you to be inspired by what someone else has done. All of the great artists, you know, Pablo Picasso, great art, you know, good artists copy, great artists steal. And he literally stole that from a guy from a hundred years prior. And that guy stole it from some Greek philosopher, ironically. So everything builds on everything else. And honestly, almost every good idea I have ever had is just building on someone else's idea. I mean, the treadmill dance. The treadmill dance was done by OK Go like four years prior. That went mega viral. We just ripped off that idea and made it our own, like blatantly ripped it off. And that's just how it is. That's like all these great, great artists, man. They're all just built on the backs of the, the, the previous... Right. artists, you know, like Picasso was, I love, I love studying Picasso because what he did, you know, at the time there was Matisse was big too. And those guys would just feud and compete with each other. But I mean, Picasso, he just, he, he, he had been classically traditionally trained in these photorealistic portraits. That is what was lucrative at the time. And I guarantee you he, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got the idea. I can't remember what his form of art was. Was it surrealism? I can't remember. But he got the idea from African tribal carvings. He Mm. went to Africa. He found some carvings that were just all distorted and disfigured body types. And he just fell in love with them. So Picasso didn't invent Picasso. He ripped it off from African culture like everybody else does with everything. (laughs) But then he did it for a few rich people. And no one else had a distorted, weird portrait of themselves. And then all the elite got into this huge feeding frenzy of like, I've got to have a Picasso. He wasn't a great, he wasn't the greatest artist of all time. He was just an insanely genius marketer Mm. who just sourced this idea and brought it to this market. And then everyone had to have it. And it was just a feeding frenzy. And he became one of the most famous painters of all time. And, And that's just how, you know, it's all building off of things other people have done. And so when people just, start pointing at their own greatness and talking about how smart they are. It's just like, now you, you just b- borrowed a bunch of ideas from other people and put it together. Yeah. You know, like dollar shape club. He got the idea from old spice, old spice guys probably got the idea from X X and they, you know, it just, it just right, all right, a right. big rip off scene and you just got to steal it and make it your own and just own the fact that, Nothing's really original, you know? That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.